We're starting a brand new series, The Christmas Option, and uh, this comes from a, uh, a book by the same name, and, and he, this author, uh, wound up taking this, uh, he had an, uh, another book called The Hidden Option, and this is going to help us uh, begin to look. He said, because we believe that the Holy Spirit is active everywhere and always, there is always an option for Christians in whatever situation they find themselves. And so we're going to begin looking at some of these things uh, this season and look at this hidden option that happens during the Christmas season because the Spirit is with us. And so I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 1 beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story. I pray that you will help us with technology, with all these things, to not be a distraction and to focus upon the option that you give us through the ongoing work and presence of the Holy Spirit. Help us, we pray, in your name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we have our first candle lit, it is the candle of hope. And uh, hope is something that I'm not sure we understand exactly all the time exactly what it means. Hope is uh, often used, I think, in our day and age as kind of a wish Something that we wish for people. Uh, we, we say, I hope you have a good day, right? Or if they're having a terrible day and we know this, we like to say, I hope your day gets better. Or if they're sick, I hope you start to feel better, right? And so we kind of ha- equate hope with a wish or wishful thinking. But honestly, hope is something greater than that. Hope is something that Brene Brown tells us is a function of struggle. It is something that when there is struggle, people you begin to see continue to hope that something will change. They know deep inside of who they are that something can be different, something ought to be different, and they begin to have this this thing well up inside them that keeps them going, that keeps them persevering, hoping, knowing that something will change and something will be better. 
Brene goes on to say that when we begin, she's, she's talking uh, to kids. She says, this is actually true in kids and adults. If we fight their battles for them all the time, that doesn't mean you shouldn't help your kids. But if we kind of always go in and rescue them all the time, we are actually tearing away our kids' ability to hope. That it is in the struggle that hope is born. And so we are called to see this happen. Now, because we are entering into this this little series over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the entire Christmas story and looking at specific characters and how their understanding or their coming to understand that the Holy Spirit was present for them allowed them in the midst of disappointment to choose a different option. The Christmas option. The option that cause them to live in hope or live towards hope in the midst of this. And so we started right away with our passage that we just read in the gospel. And let's look at Joseph. Let's go on to the picture slide that, that's there for Joseph. Here's a nice uh, artistic work of Joseph's dream. Now, you, you know, Joseph, we are told he is a righteous man. We are told that he is just going about his life. He is having uh, his life. He is ready to be married. He has he has uh, arranged everything the way that it should be so that uh, when the time is right, Mary will become his bride. Joseph is our is our guy. He just does the right thing. Anybody have those uh, people in your lives? It just seems like they just know how to and they or they just do or they always choose to do the right thing. Some of you think of them as goody two-shoes, you know, if they were in school. But they just, they just seem to do this. They do the right thing, they, and, and good things seem to come of it. And so Joseph is working, he's, he's learning his trade probably. Um, he's, he's now, we know later on that he's a carpenter, and he's, he's may, entered into the arrangement. He's, he's doing the next phase of his life. He's, he's ready, he's, he's started, he's prepared, he's got everything set. And then what happens? All of a sudden, he gets word that his fiancée is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, come on, human beings don't change that much. If you are engaged and someone all of a sudden, guys, your fiancée said, I'm pregnant. And it's by the Holy Spirit. You might have just a little bit of doubt. Just a touch, right? Uh, this is, uh, and so we can kind of begin to look, and although it doesn't necessarily spell this out in Scripture, we know that because he is ready to set her aside quietly, that he is feeling some deep disappointment, some deep woundedness, maybe even some deep betrayal. My hunch is that someone like Joseph, who has always done the right thing, is probably saying to himself somewhere deep down, like, I'm a righteous person. I do the right thing. I've made all the right choices. I saved, I saved and did what I was supposed to do. I've done my career. I'm serving my community. I've, I've done, I've made the arrangements so that I can get married. And we have done all these things together. I've done the right thing. I should be getting the rewards of this. Why is this happening to me? You ever been there? Sometimes Christmas is is the season where this comes about the most, isn't it? Like, I saved all my money and now all the prices are are higher than they should be. Tariffs. Sorry, I didn't mean to get political there. 
It, it's, it, we've, we've done the right thing and, or, or you, you've saved and you've done all this and you bought just the right thing for that person that you were trying to get on their good side and they look at it and said, oh, I already got three of these. Or maybe it's just the regular life. You've worked and worked and worked for 12 months and, and now the bonus is not going to be there. Or you've worked and worked and, and you're not getting the promotion and it just seems like everything has stagnated. That feels like disappointment, doesn't it? But Joseph chooses something different. All of a sudden we find out that in the middle of the night he is visited by an angel in a dream. And something in that dream where he that dream says to him, Hey, what Mary has told you is true. And don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Be with her. Take her. Uh, make sure that you provide for her and help her. We see that... He was willing to do that. Something changed. He began to see that the Holy Spirit really was at work here. And so he learned a valuable truth that we can learn. One of our Christmas options is that when there is disappointment, that can be an opportunity to trust deeper in God. This is not something that we just do on our own, but because the Holy Spirit is present, because God can be at work in us, even in the midst of disappointing times, we can use that that or look at that as an opportunity to trust more to trust God just a little bit more have you ever been there I've been teaching a class to young pastoral students with Olivet Nazarene University, uh, our Nazarene history and polity. The founder of the Church of the Nazarene was a man by the name of Phineas Brzee. And Phineas was a very successful Methodist pastor. He had pastored large congregations. He was well sought after for speaking engagements. People wanted to hear what he had to say. And he felt called of God to join a mission. Now this mission was outside the Methodist church. And so it meant he would have to let go of his lucrative pastoring. Like honestly, very he was a very wealthy pastor. I think that it said that the average salary was $700 a year and he was making about 3000 a year. He, he was doing well. But... He felt a call to go and to serve the poor at the Penile Mission. So he let go of all of that and started working among the poor in inner city Los Angeles. And this is in the late 1800s. And he was there and, and he saw those men who would come in and eat. And he said, I don't want to just give them uh, food for their bodies. I would love to give them food for their soul. And so he began to give little talks. And, and the people at the mission, for some reason, there was some distinction between what happens in church and what happens in a mission. And so they began to say, you can't preach like this. You can't do this. He said, but we need to feed their souls as well. And he would, so he would just sit in among the poor and he would share with them and he would, he would tell, he would invite them to, to look at the Bible and he would just share one on one. I'm not preaching. I'm just sharing. Still, the mission didn't like that. So he was called away to a preaching engagement. And while he's away, he gets a telegram that informs him that he is no longer employed at the Penile Mission. That what little he was making was now gone. And he was without church or without the, without mission, without employment. And he walked out and he shared with his wife, I've done all the right things! I, I left what I was doing, what God was blessing, and, and what, all that money and all the, 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 the big church and all those things to go and do the right thing. And now they fire me through telegram? That takes a little more effort than 
breaking up with someone over text. He was disappointed. But his wife was able to say, but did you feel led to do this? Yes. Would you do it again if God asked you? Yes. Then what is the Holy Spirit asking you to do now? And he said to trust. He took the hidden option that the Holy Spirit was available and there in the midst of his disappointment. He used it as an opportunity to trust. And when he came back, a friend of his said, we need to do something different. Oh, he could go right back into the Methodist church. They were willing to take him. But he said, no, I believe that there is a need in society for a church with a mission. Not just a church and not just a mission, but a church with a mission, a family church for the poor. And I think that we should call it the Church of the Nazarene. And you and I are sitting here today because Phineas Brzee took the hidden option that his disappointments were an opportunity to trust deeper in what God had for him. Are you in need this season in your disappointment to maybe just think for just a second, dare to think that this might be an opportunity for you to trust? Well, we've got a couple more characters that I want us to look at this week. So let's move on to our next passage of Scripture. Um, let's, let's read this passage of Scripture. In the sixth month, uh, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. A town in Galilee. Now that's, that's a misnomer. It's not just the town. This is, Nazareth is, is, means the sticks. It's where the hillbillies live. That's right. Good people, right? Good people, but often overlooked. So a small place, not of any importance in political, in military might, or anything. Just a small town. And the angel Gabriel came to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This story, again, we kind of back up. So we've heard Joseph and now I want us to to look a little bit at Mary Obviously, she was just living in a small town out on the outskirts. We've already kind of developed that and and seen it wasn't a, a place that was very important. She was going through her life. Most say she was probably just a young teenager still living at home. But their day and age, things were a little bit different. I know we like to romanticize Joseph and Mary being betrothed and being engaged. And we, we kind of in, at Christmas time like to have this fantasy love story. I, I'm sorry, uh, 
it wasn't quite that romantic back in those days. Uh, you know, fathers and soon-to-be husbands kind of got together and agreed upon a contract and a price and a time. And then once everything was paid and the age was right, the father sent the, the daughter to the man, the husband. And sure, they threw a big party. They did all those things that we did. But Mary was living in that. And for her, it would mean continued provision. That she would, in their day and age, to have children was the pinnacle. It was God's blessing. It was a sign that your family was going to have eternal life. It was, it was one of those things that's just a beautiful, beautiful expression. We still love babies today. In fact, I can announce this now, right? That we have baby Jennings on the way soon. So we're excited for Chris and Cassie. And, uh, and Ian and Laura for grandbaby. You're not excited at all, are you? No, I didn't think so. It was an exciting time. She was getting ready to enter into the next phase of her life. And then the angel appears. Now, we don't have all of this in there, but my hunch is as she's hearing the angel, she's got some questions. Like, A, how does this work? Because I've never been with anyone. How am I going to get pregnant? She hears the reply. I'm sure if she's like you or me, it would have been okay. We're not told how long the angel Gabriel finishes his talk and she says her lovely, obedient answer of let it be unto me as you have said. Let it be. But my hunch is, she ran through all the gamut of, what does this mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the talk of my little town. If you've ever gone to a little town or a little school or, unfortunately, a little church, you know how those things get around. Oh, look, stop, stop. The, yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, She not only would bring shame upon herself, but she would bring shame upon her family. See, it was her father who had pledged to Joseph that he would protect her and keep her safe. In those days and age, it was either someone was uh, being promiscuous or that there were a lot of Roman soldiers around or people along those lines. There might have been an abuse that took place that caused this to happen. Either way, Joseph is on the hook because he wasn't protecting. He wasn't looking at... I'm sorry, not Joseph, but Mary's father was on the hook. So she would not only bring shame upon herself, but she was going to bring shame upon her entire family. It might mean that people wouldn't do business with her father because he wasn't able to finish a, a contract or to keep his part of the bargain in all of this, there is layer upon layer upon layer of shame that Mary saying yes would mean to her family. And yet, something in the angel, in the presence, in the message, that the Holy Spirit being there present, she begins to think that maybe in the midst of what could be scary, that there might just be a different option. 
that there might be the option, the Christmas option, that a disappointment, a struggle, a problem might be an opportunity to worship. In fact, we find that she finishes this. She, she begins to go out to see her cousin Elizabeth and she begins to worship in the midst of what will be scandal, in the midst of what could potentially affect her family, in the midst of, of all the talking that will go on. She begins to worship. I want us to read what she says as she uh, enters into the Christmas option. Let's go to that. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. You see, Mary took this option. She began... To see that in the midst of all the struggle, in the midst of all the fear, because God is with her, she can say, let it be to me. And she can begin to break out into worship. This doesn't seem to fit, does it? I remember a a time, it's been uh, quite a few years now, uh, my sister-in-law, Kelly, was dying of cancer. Very aggressive I know it's hard to say how do you fight cancer, but Kelly fought cancer. She wanted to be there for her kids, her boys. And there was a song that every now and then she would just make sure was on her uh, somewhere where she could hear it. It doesn't seem right. I never, it, it kind of fit kind of weird. It seemed like she, in fact, had this sung at her funeral. But I believe Kelly knew that God was with her in her struggle. And that there was an option for her to worship even in the midst of the struggle. It was a song called Praise You in the Storm by Casting Crowns. I don't know if you've heard it. It's a few years old now. Um, I just wanted to read just a little bit. I was... I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away. Stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen. That it's still raining as the thunder rolls. I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I am with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands that you who are, you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You've never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. And just every now and then when it just seemed like things were getting overwhelming, there was a time that that would show up for Kelly and for my brother Vince. And they knew that God was with them in the storm and therefore worship is appropriate. Maybe today you're there and you're struggling. Maybe there's scandal in your life. You're wondering where God is. And it's okay to pray those prayers. Read the Psalms. They're there. Where are you, God? 
show up, hear, answer. Maybe today, because God is present with you in the midst of whatever storm you're going through, maybe today you need to take the Christmas option like Mary did and take it as an opportunity to worship. Lastly, we have Elizabeth. I want you to hear the story of Elizabeth because Mary goes off to visit her cousin that the angel told her all about. It's one of those things, right? When when you have a miraculous thing happening in your life, you just want to be with someone else who's had a miraculous thing happen in their life to celebrate together. And so we read that at the, that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Mary heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. I love this picture that we're going to look at. Just the joy of two pregnant women being together. But so much more. And we're, again, we're not told this, but my hunch is, uh, you know, Elizabeth is standing there and probably seeing Mary coming from a long way off. And here she is, she's pregnant, she's been barren for so long, and now she's going to have a child. And it's a miracle. She's probably the talk of her little village. Remember what God did for Elizabeth. Wow, so exciting, so awesome. God has shown His favor on our little village and who knows what's going to happen. Did you hear that Zachariah the priest can't talk anymore? It's great, shorter sermons. Woo! It's awesome. And so, here she is and she sees and she's probably heard because word travels fast. Oh, here comes Mary. I know she's my cousin, but this is my time to shine. This is this is where I get to celebrate what God has done for me. My whole life I've has been she's coming. This is my family. Oh, this is gonna be a scandal. What what is this gonna mean for for my priest, my my husband who's a priest? I, and he can't even talk to me right now. And yet, something in the midst of this, when she heard that young little girl Mary say hi. Hi, cousin, that the Holy Spirit was present. And because God was present in that midst, it led Elizabeth to take that Christmas option, that hidden option that said that this moment of her disappointment, her fear of what this could mean for her family, that her struggle that was now about to be over with uh, having a baby boy, that now she could use that opportunity as something to encourage someone else. That next Christmas opportunity is that disappointments can be opportunities to encourage someone else. She sees the Holy Spirit is there. The baby moves in her, in her belly and she just says, Oh, I want to encourage you. When you greeted me, the baby leaped inside and I know that God is going to be faithful to you and blessed are you and I'm just so glad that you're here and I want to encourage you. Have you been through a rough season? 
Have you dealt with disappointments in your life? Are they still present and kind of gnawing and nagging at you? Did you know that the Holy Spirit is here and may want to give you the option to say, I want to take that disappointment and what it was like for me back then. And I want to encourage someone else. I want to say, I see where you are. I've been there. Wow. I know how hard that is. And I want to connect. There are hurting people filled with disappointments who are longing to hear from those of you who have trusted God and have seen Him to be faithful in the midst that you could be an encouragement to them. If you are that person coming with discouragement today, I want you to know that this church is a place for you. We sung it earlier, but we believe that you belong here. We believe there's a space for you. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to know that there are people who have been in your situation and they long to take the option, even this time at Christmas, to say to you, be encouraged. Know that you are loved and cared for here. Well, those are three. We've got a bunch more to go next in the next few weeks. I hope that you will keep coming back to hear, because of what God is able to do, that you will keep coming back to hear what the Christmas option is for you, and that you will connect with some of the characters in the story. But throughout the Advent season, I think a beautiful way for us to acknowledge the option of Christmas, the option to see our disappointments as opportunities to trust, as opportunities to worship, and as opportunities to encourage others or be encouraged, that we should be invited to the table of the Lord. Is there a better way to worship than to receive from the Lord Jesus Christ what we need for our day-to-day walk? That's what we believe about communion. That somehow Christ extends grace to us for our daily lives in the bread and the cup. Is there a way to signify our trust than to come to His table and to say, I trust you. I want to take bread and cup. I want you to come in and show me the Christmas option. Is there any better way to be encouraged than to receive the bread and cup from the Lord Jesus Christ who says to you in the midst of your disappointments right now, I am with you. You have another option available. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite anyone who would like to come to come. And I mean this. In our denomination, we practice open communion. That means if you are hungry for the Jesus that I have just talked about, then you are welcome to come and receive bread and cup from His table. This is not Pastor Jeff's table. This is not the table of Cross Community Church. This is not the table of the Church of the Nazarene denomination. This is the table of the Lord. And if you are hungry for what I have preached to you today, you are welcome to come and receive from His hand. And so we invite you to come. I want you to know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it with His disciples. And He said, this is My body, broken for you. Take and eat. And later on, He said, this is My blood shed for you, poured out for you. Take and drink. I pray today that as you come, this will be your Christmas option. 
to trust, to worship, to encourage or to be encouraged. Father, we pray that you would take simple bread and cup and that once again in the name of Jesus, this would become for us your body. They would become for us grace and mercy, hope and peace, encouragement and trust. For we ask this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The beautiful thing of Christmas, Emmanuel, God is with us. Because God is with us, we have options. Options to trust in the midst of disappointment. Options to worship in the midst of fear. Options to be encouraged by others whom God has helped and to be encouragement to the one who needs to know the option is there. And so I invite you to take the bread and hear the words of Jesus. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And then to take the cup and hear his words. This is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your love shown to us upon Calvary, shown to us in your willingness to come, to live among us, shown to us in your sending the Holy Spirit to give us options in our everyday lives. I pray your blessing upon my brothers and sisters, for we ask this all in your name. Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, may you go in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit, who is with you. In the midst of your disappointments, may He point out to you the option to trust, to worship, to encourage or be encouraged. And may you, this Christmas season, know Emmanuel, God is with you. I pray you will go in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please make sure you invite someone to come with you. We want them to be here. Thank you so much. God bless you.